Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of us celebrating black content creators. We are going to be doing this all month and we are starting with just Latasha, someone who I think is absolutely amazing. Can't wait for y'all to hear this interview. And I also can't wait for everyone to hear the interviews that I've done with the other people we're going to be highlighting like Justin J from the King of Reeds, Kingsley, Deshaun L. Harrison, they are all amazing, amazing people, and I'm just so excited for this whole month. So, let's get straight into the episode. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Devin. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm really good. I like how prompt you is. <laughs> I try my best. I really do. You said 130. Click. Okay. I like it. I like it. I am Happy so excited to have you on this podcast. Natasha. Uh... Thank you. You had some fire guests on. I was like, I'm, I'm loving, I'm loving the content. I'm loving the content creation and the Thank branding. You. Like, come on, colors and themes and logos. <laughs> Thank you. I love it all. Line them up, knock them down. Shit. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Devin Hour podcast. My name is Devin. And today we have somebody who I am so excited to have on this fucking podcast. Okay. First off, oh, there's no uh there's no rules. You could curse, you could do whatever. So you know I got a, a sale amount, so let's go. Yes. <laughs> there's no restrictions here. So yes, we have somebody who is a screenwriter, YouTuber. We have somebody who's a podcaster, somebody who has done it all in media, okay? Welcome, Just Latasha, to the Devon Hour podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. What time is it, Devon Hour? <laughs> we love it. We love it. You did that. I might have to copyright that one right there. Look, you see, you see why I do what I do? I just be creating and shit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm so happy to talk to you. Yes. I, I want you to know, actually, we actually have met before. We have. We had met before. It was at Gotham Podcast Studios um, yes. seminar. Yes. We sure did. Yes. Sure did. What an and incredible event. It was an incredible event. And when I remember when I met you, girl, I was like, this. when I saw you on Pam, first of all, I didn't know you were going to be there. I just won the tickets to the, uh, the seminar with my friend. And I was like, okay, we're just going to pop up. When I saw you there, I said, bitch, that's Latasha. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. That came at the last minute, and I'm so happy. I met so many of you brilliant creators out there that day, so I was just like, that was just fire that just kind of landed in my lap. Shout out to my girl, Mandy B. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I was like, I was so ecstatic. I said, my friend was like, who's that? And I said, bitch, that's Latasha, <laughs> fuck you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I've been following you for a long, long time, and I've always like watched your videos, always shared and supported and stuff. And when I met you, you were just as sweet as you are you know and then just as genuine as you are when you are producing your content creating your content and i was like period like exactly there you go <laughs> i'm happy i you know what 
maybe if I get my my private green rooms and my blue M&Ms and my um, my little rider contracts, maybe I might have a little attitude. We ain't there yet. <laughs> we ain't there yet. No, you said the blue M&Ms, period. <laughs> so how are you doing in this present moment? Oh, uh, man, to be honest, like COVID in itself hasn't really knocked me down. Mm-hmm. What has um, knocked me down are more like, I guess, personal issues, friendships are rearranging, yeah, um, my yeah. living space is rearranging, I'm kind of in between places, um, but so many blessings and opportunities and so much positivity has just been growing under the Just Tasha umbrella. So I've had so much space this year to just be gracious and and full of gratitude and joy for just for um, the recognition and um, just the love that has just been finding the content that I produce. Right. So it it has really been great. COVID did knock down a little bit of my production because we were filming uh, my sketch comedy series, mm-hmm. and uh, that was about it. I was like, oh, oh, okay, okay. Now I now I see you. <laughs> um, but but we'll we'll be back and we'll be back at it soon. So just a waiting game. What a year of realization! Like twenty twenty vision or twenty <laughs> the twenty twenty vision is real. Mm-hmm. Because you know what, Kylie Kylie Jenner started us off with the realizing things in two thousand nineteen, but twenty twenty said, "I see clearly." <laughs> right. It was it was very much that I was like everyone's getting exposed, all the brands, all the celebrity facade, all of the illusions have come crashing down tenfold. Oh my gosh! And it really took people's pockets to literally be hit to realize like, holy shit, this is for us folk who have been like really woke and aware of what's been going on. You know, this ain't nothing new to us. Like we knew if some shit like this were to happen, this is exactly how it was going to go down. Um, but for a lot of people who aren't really as aware, this was a, this was a hit to them and to see their faves and to see their celebrities literally become trash and to realize like, holy shit, these people are not giving back in the way that we thought they were. That was such a realization for everyone. Like, oh my, even, even to the point where we even had to share some criticism to our queen Beyonce, like she was not exempt from the criticism (laughs) and and that's... And that hurt. That hurt me to the core. I said, damn, I had to I had to wake up. I said, oh it, shit. It sure did because as a fellow Hive member, yeah. <laughs> walked around calling herself Tasha Fierce because she was born one day after Yonce. Um, or my birthday is one day after Yonce. She got a couple years on me. Um yes, <laughs> it was just kind of like I don't ever want to be the blind fan. I don't ever want to look at one of my favorite celebrities do something trash and I'm like, okay, but yeah, you don't even like know it from like their side. And it's just like, no, you can hold your face accountable and still love the work that they make, but don't 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 go blind on it. Right, like, right. Keep that eye open and, and understand that they're human. They're going to make mistakes and they don't know everything. And that's fine as long as you follow it up with some accountability. Right. You can't be out here being a dizzy ass Stan. Okay. I tell that to all my friends. And you a millionaire be- during a pandemic. How dare okay. you? <laughs> Billionaire. Like money. Like you'll be set for the rest of your life while I'm over yeah. here having to pull teeth and having to fight for unemployment. Like it's it's real. Like 2020 has really like opened my eyes to so much. And now I'm really not a big fan of any of these celebrities anymore. I'm just like, I appreciate the work that you do. 
But other than that, I'm not going to be standing you because and in all in reality, you're not paying my bills <laughs> and you're not redistributing that damn wealth. So with that As being said, fact, we're paying yours. <laughs> okay. Listen, Beyonce could charge her light bell straight to me because after all the streaming, the merchandise, the standing, we have paid her, okay? <laughs> and I done bought the standard and deluxe editions of your damn album, sis, okay? <laughs> we love to do it. We'll be, and we'll be here tomorrow. <laughs> and right, and we're going to be here tomorrow. <laughs> shit, let me, I'm about to go stream Sasha Fierce after this shit <laughs> is over, okay? So yeah, it's just been a, a year of awakenings. But what are some ways that you have been trying to stay like mentally healthy and like what outlets have you been using? None. Mm. It's not good. It's it's not good. Um, I've been seeing so many messages of like, slow down, take a break. And I'm like, you're speaking to a Virgo sun, Virgo rising Taurus moon. I simply cannot. It's just not the way I'm hardwired. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Well, let's just address that real quick. The stars oh. beat my ass. Virgo sun, mm -hmm. a Virgo moon, Virgo rising, Virgo rising and a Taurus moon. So the way we, I sit my ass down and just work like it, like my, my day of rest is working just a little bit like this to me, like is a rest day because I get to do something joyful and fun and connect with you and like right, have right. a conversation. Um, and then after this, I'm going to host um, a, a live streaming on Patreon. So like, this is my rest day. I'm like, I get to do this kind of work <laughs> rather than like building an empire Monday through Saturday. And I'm like, okay. I thought the so, start beat my ass with the, with the uh, sun Leo. I have a moon Gemini and then I have a rising Scorpio. I thought the stars beat my ass, but girl. <laughs> oh, that, them signs sound like you beat other people's ass. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> oh, 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 Gemini and Scorpio. Oh. And the Leo. That's the Leo the, pops out and be like, I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> I didn't mean to do it, but it was kind of your fault. Like <laughs> that's it. I know that's you. I know it. I absolutely do. Oh, that's so crazy. Yeah, so we're, I'm so excited to talk about you. I really want to get to know more about, and I really want you to share your story about like your uh, your your rise and you coming up into this media personality in the media world. Because I have been interviewing a couple people. I've just interviewed Justin Jay of from the King of Reads, and um, I've realized like a lot of y'all don't really get to share your story as much. Like we hear your opinions, we hear your thoughts, but a lot of us don't really get to know y'all background. So. And also, I'm really into people who who has somewhat of the same type of thoughts and somewhat of the same um, way of thinking. So I really want people to really get to know you. So I'm going to ask you some questions about that. But before we uh, get into that, I just want to ask you a random ass question just to get a taste of your character, okay? If you had the opportunity to go anywhere in the world, like your dream spot, where would it be? First of all, I would just like to say my character hasn't been tasted in way too long. Fuck COVID. My <laughs> dream spot would uh, be, I mean, give me like um like a a Tahiti, like a I need somewhere tropical and absolute the furthest away from America. Like right. wherever's warm. I'm so drawn to water and nature. So like put me in like a warm mountain with a waterfall. Oh. And like some foggy overview deck into the sea, somewhere like that. It's it's more so of like um like a 
a mood than it is a location. Whatever, mm. whatever land gives me that, I'm going. Yes. I was supposed to go to Trinidad this year. That's where my family's mm-hmm. from, my dad's side. And unfortunately, we couldn't go. And I'm pissed. I said, as soon as this shit is over or as soon as Trinidad decide to open up those damn borders, I am flying my black ass over there. And I'm going to be visiting my cousins and all that because I can't do it here. I can't. Mm-hmm. This is too much. I need the islands. I need some bacon shark and I need some roti. Okay. And some goat. Bacon <laughs> shark. Yes. Damn. Yes, girl. I'm going to put that on my, my food list. Boudin from, from Texas, as the queen suggests. And now bacon shark from Trinidad. Oh, yes. It's this fry bread and this fry shark. And you get like all the tomatoes, it's like a sandwich. It's like the best fish sandwich you will ever have in your life. Like, mm-hmm. so good. I trust you. <laughs> that's, that's on the food list. Yeah, girl. It's everything. And when you get it from the beach, oh, it's over. It's over. <laughs> Oh, Fresh Shark. They just speared it a few hours ago. Oh, I don't know if they did that, but. (laughs) I was like, because if you did it straight out the water, that means it just died. (laughs) Oh, no, that's fresh. No, that's some fresh shit. Okay. (laughs) So, Latasha, where did you grow up? And tell me, what was little Latasha like? Little Latasha, like child Latasha? Yes. Child Latasha was um, a people-pleasing, curious, playful, quiet, good little baby. Um, Mm. Shy of meeting new people, really had to be pushed to like branch out um, out of your comfort zone. My dad was very, very much the person to do that. Like, I know it's scary. Try it. Go do it. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I'm kind of keeping to myself and my own little imagination full of toys and wonder. I used to make dolls out of the Victoria's Secret catalogs that my mom would order. <laughs> Just like <laughs> make this world with like all these like scantily clad white women. It was very strange, but <laughs> building worlds. <laughs> that's what that's what little Natasha was doing. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And where, where did you grow up? I grew up in East Elmhurst, Queens, New York. Oh um, shit! Literally right across the street from the LaGuardia Airport runway, and we heard the plane so much we stopped here in the planes, like right across the street. It was crazy. It was great, but nice little neighborhood. They tried to be fake gangster for for like two summers. We could <laughs> we quickly got checked, um, and then it was that was as far as I knew. Ha! <laughs> yes, and you stayed in New York. I did stay in New York. Um, back in Queens, currently. Um, and kind of moved around Harlem, Brooklyn, but can't, can't, the girl can't stay out of Queens for some reason. I don't know. We, tr- we trying to get at, but we'll see. <laughs> Usually I hear people like whenever they're from New York, they tend to leave and go somewhere else, but it's very rare. I really hear somebody be like, yeah, I've been in New York. Like I stayed here. <laughs> like. Yeah, I guess because of just the the work that I do. I mean, my yeah, next yeah. stop would be LA, like once this whole pandemic ceases. But um, New York is where it's at, probably because I've I've come from like podcasting and transitioning mm-hmm. into screenwriting. Um, New York is a creative hub. A lot of my friends out here are doing incredible things, and so to move from New York would have to be very intentional and strategic to make sure that I, I level up. So I'm, I'm planting those seeds currently. Yes. Uh, I live in Jersey city, so I'm right there. 
And like, it's so hard to leave New York because like you said, the, the work that we do with podcasting and just media in general, there's so many opportunities over there and so many creatives that you get to meet and connect with. So going anywhere else is going to be like a culture shock, especially with, let me tell you something. I'm a rude ass bitch because of my area. Okay. <laughs> I, the hospitality is, is barely any there. Like when I am on the train, I'm not trying to fuck with nobody. I'm minding my business. So like going to like an Atlanta or LA where people are just like, Hey, how are you? Da, da, da. I'm going to look at them like, bitch, are you kidding me? Are you, you, you are talking to me? <laughs> like it's going to be a transition for real. I feel you on that. Absolutely. Feel you. <laughs> I think kindness is very strange. Just like random. That's very strange. Right. But I also kind of think that's kind of played in New York's, New York's benefit because during the, uh, during the virus, you really don't want nobody to interact with you as it is. So mm-hmm. the fact that we wasn't fucking with each other in the first place. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> perfect situation now you definitely have a reason not to talk to me okay we love it <laughs> have you always been this outspoken like when was that transition for you because i know you said you were like more of a people pleaser but then now when you see the work that you have created and stuff you've been more outspoken and more you know not necessarily pleasing the people okay you're talking about shit that's not pleasing a lot of fucking people but what was that transition for you that definitely happened uh, during my first brand called Dope Files in 2010. And something yes. came over me. Yeah, something came over me. I was like, I want to do interviews. I want to be talking to underground Black creatives, um, specifically in fashion and music. I want to know who's creating what, who's doing what. And they don't have a voice or a platform. So how about I'll be that platform and we all just share and honor each other's work And so having to speak to so many people, which grew into interviewing a ton of celebrities, you gotta turn that on. Like you you gotta be present. You have to show up for yourself and for this interview um, to cater to the audience that'll be tuning in and to make your your guests comfortable and you you inspire them to open up. Um, And so having to put myself from being with John and not really good with like meeting new people, having to just be like, I have to cut that shyness off right now if I want this to work, if I wanna be a host, if this is something that I wanna do, who do I have to be to obtain that dream? And I sort right. of, I, you know, my character just started to shift from there. I remember that series, don't, okay, don't kill me child. But <laughs> I, I remember watching that series, I was in middle school when that series was out. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching you, The Scorpion Show. I remember a uh, quad ear. I was all y'all, all y'all was on my playlist as a 12 year old. Okay. I remember that. That was such a good series. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. I, I came out the gate hustling. I mean, that was a one woman show from pre-production to post-production. I mean, I, I made it all. I've had some help along the way, but overall Tasha was outside. <laughs> okay. I, I was working. Um, and th- that was one of the, toughest energetically toughest things that i've i've carried and at some point i'm just like okay i gotta put this down <laughs> i have to, yes. I have to shift somewhere else now for real yeah oh such a great series. Oh, that took me back that was some good ass <laughs> times okay that was some good ass times oh my Thank gosh you. so now moving forward a little bit fast forwarding we i see you on the grapevine how did that come about because the grapevine is an amazing amazing a show if to all my listeners, if you haven't watched it, you should be fucking watching it. Okay. 
you should be watching every fucking episode like literally mm-hmm. but yeah I, I remember seeing you on there and I was like is that Latasha on the grapevine how did that opportunity come about from when I put dope files down I started doing YouTube vlogs because um the uprising for this black generation began yeah on martin followed by mike brown and um ayana i'm forgetting her last name little baby she was seven years old ayana yeah yeah. we're starting to see this this uptick due to social media of all these black deaths at the hand of police brutality and so i was very vocal on youtube about that and shout out to eddie z he has a podcast called two dope black boys two dope boys two dope black boys yes yes Um, uh, he's going to kill me for not getting that title right. But um, (laughs) he was the photographer on set for Ashley Akun and the producers at the Grapevine. And she was looking for panelists. And so he was familiar with my YouTube videos, possibly from Dope Files too, but he was familiar with my YouTube videos and he was like, she'd be a great panelist. And then from there, I just became a staple panelist. Yes. And you, when I say a staple panelist, girl. Yo, geez. You... (laughs) Aisha Uchechi, whoo! My my dear friends, those yes. brilliant, incredible, intelligent women. My yes, dear y'all got me together. I had to check myself watching that damn series. Okay, what you got checked on? Oh my! Let's let's get into it because one of my favorite episodes is the Bruno Mars episode. Now we have to credit the viral moment to the queen herself, Miss <laughs> Seren Sensei. Yes, <laughs> that's who we have to give that that episode to because. I think I was talking to Ashley about this the other day. I was like, there was almost a whole ass fight on the episode and the way nobody gave a shit, people were just like, okay, but let's listen to what she said about Bruno Mars. And I'm right. like, like, oh my God, we, we don't fight on the grapevine. That's not what we do. That's not our platform. And something almost broke out on set. I'm surprised they even kept it in. And no one cared at all about that. They were like, this point that Seren made about Bruno Mars, it, it, like it lit the show on fire. It um, did, it did. That was one of the ones. So you learned something about yourself with how you used to engage in Bruno Mars's music? Yes. So I was watching The Great Mind for like a, a year or two prior to that episode. So I was like, okay, like, okay, I'll see where they're going. And then when that episode popped up, because I started to feel uncomfortable listening to Bruno Mars. I didn't know why I felt uncomfortable, but I started to feel uncomfortable. Now I realize it was because it was a little bit too close for comfort. Like he's not black. Like he's been promoted as black. <clears throat> he's been promoted as black this whole entire time. Like he, at the BET Awards with the Afro, the R&B music, the black backup singers and dancers and producers. So I was under the impression he was. So when the whole 24K Magic album came out, I was like, damn, this sounds like some karaoke version of shit that Teddy Riley and and Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis produced in the 90s. I couldn't rock with it. So I just felt uncomfortable and too close for comfort then. Then I watched the episode and then it started to really mold everything for me. It started to make sense. Like, oh, this is the name of it. Cultural appropriation. The people would say appreciation. (laughs) I say it's not appreciating if you're commodifying blackness and selling it with a non-black face. Okay. So yeah. So that changed my mind on it too, just like you. She changed my mind on and once I like sat and just listened to her go off, I was like, oh, you're right. (laughs) Like you real right. Right. Like we appreciate the music and we appreciate the music he released before that, but we can't be dizzy. Like we like when we talked about stands earlier in this episode, like we can't be dizzy, we can't be blind. This is what it is. And it's more of a, 
And I felt like the episode was more of a conversation about the industry itself rather than Bruno Mars. And I feel like a lot of people just took it as an attack on Bruno Mars rather rather than listening to what everybody was saying in the bigger picture that was at hand. So yeah, that Bruno Mars episode did it for me. That was that was the one. It was a big one. The classic, one of the classics. <laughs> yes. It oh my gosh. Like what as you were filming it, like what was your thought process? Like we as soon as you were walking through that door, were you like, oh shit's about to go down? Seren, um she doesn't live in New York anymore, but at the time and she was here, um, she was a dear friend of mine. So mm-hmm. I'm totally used to her. It doesn't register to me like how heavy her opinions feel when like they come like that because we had known her and like um, there's a, a such a family vibe on set that after one of the panelists says something like that or Carl even who's back on the show as well says like a really <laughs> heavy opinion the cameras go off and we love on each other so hard like people are like how can you be friends with Carl I'm like we love him so much so like yes yes even as so- a viewer like Carl he'd be saying some real wild shit but yeah he just reminds me of of my of my cishet friends. Like it's just that's how he reminds you. You still know what love I mean? him. Like you still love him. It's a whole human being. Like people aren't the um, embodiment of like that really sharp opinion. And so I guess as a viewer, when you don't know the panelists and all you have of them is that really strong opinion, you yeah, kind yeah. of formulate um, an idea about it. So it's like filming it, we were like, "That's the ring going off." And then when it hit the internet, we were like. Oh my God. Right? <laughs> Us regular viewers were just like, yeah, this is just a rent. Like this is this is what it was. Like we already knew she was gonna come crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. But the was, the locals, different. the locals fell away. <laughs> they were pissed. They were like, How dare you talk about my non-black king, my Filipino king? How dare you? That's the thing. It it threatens your it threatens everything because you enjoy this person's work, you enjoy this person's music and someone saying that that good music that makes you feel good is detrimental to a race and a group of people. Yep. And you have to really come to terms with that. And a lot of people don't wanna do the work to detach from something that they love so much. They just rather, you need to be wrong because I really like this music. And that was that's just the crux of the entire thing. Yes, I had recently got into uh, some trouble because of my views on Ariana Grande's new album. Mm. And essentially I said, this is blackface. Like, you can't tell me otherwise. It was just, this is the closest she has ever been to making real, real R&B-esque music. Like she's always been making R&B music, but this new album, I was like, oh no. Like it was nothing but black producers. Like. The song called My Hair had five Black people writing that fucking song. Five. We did an episode about that on Grapevine as well. Yes. About, about these uh, these white women occupying Black spaces and the Black men that opened the doors for them willingly. Yes. I always, I said, Ariana Grande reminds me of gentrification. Like, <laughs> she I rem- think I tweeted that actually. I saw a clip of her newest music video and it was given formation. Like, I was like, does anybody else see like the texture and similarities? This is very much a formation recreation. And then like the AAVE in the album, What You Waiting For? And just like, I'm like, God damn. Y'all couldn't just let Victoria Monet keep her fucking songs. <laughs> we the coolest people on the planet. With, 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 what was the damn Spider-Man quote? Big strength, I'm a big responsibility. I'm no, I'm messing it up. <laughs> big something come with big responsibilities. Like when we the coolest people on the planet, expect the foolishness to follow through. So how how hard is it to really like 
especially in beginning to really start sharing your opinions on YouTube and on a public platform, because obviously when you're criticizing people's faves or criticizing things that really don't get talked about, there's going to be some pushback and it's going to be people who feel a way about what you have to say. So how scary was it in the beginning that to, for you to really express your thoughts? Um, it wasn't scary on YouTube because I can't see anybody. Right. It's me in my room facing my camera and I edit it and I throw it out. You know what I mean? What happens though, um, the negative comments come back. Mm -hmm. And when I was specifically tackling race, at, at one point the comments were just so hurtful and heavy and detrimental. Um, I actually developed a system to not engage with them because mm. it's too many to like manually sit there and block. Um, but I look at like their pick their Avi or their tag name. And I look at the thumbnail of the, of the YouTube video. I work my eyes around this comment. So I'm not physically like engaging the comment and I can tell whether or not by the video and by the color of the person or which anime character they, they put on a Avi. I'm like, Oh, this is going to be some hateful shit. And I just, I just, I don't read it. I don't read it at all. Right. Um, and I developed the system, which has helped me so much because I got the same pushback when I critiqued Dave Chappelle's stand-up special on YouTube. Filled with such vitriol, like people wanted my head for critiquing their favorite comedian, and I just I don't engage. So I, I learned how to do that so I can maneuver that space safely. Ooh, that is that is some majority right there, because you know, for me. As I'm starting, I'm fairly recent to a lot of this, right? A lot of like sharing my thoughts on online and creating videos and creating content. And it was, it's very scary to like, up for me, it's very scary to upload things because I really don't want to receive people's negative feedback because I don't want people to view me negatively. But now that I'm 22 and I just got out of college, girl, I said, fuck these people and their opinions, child. Right. Like I have to, this is, I'm sharing this because obviously there's a major issue. Like there's, there's a bigger picture to my statement rather than <clears throat> my criticism on like a Nicki Minaj or a Beyonce or whatever. Like there's a, there's a bigger picture here. So that came with growth and definitely I'm still learning. Cause sometimes you do get into the habit of like looking at these comments, seeing like, okay, yeah, what people have to say, but I'm still learning. I, I think one day I'm going to get to the point where I'm just like, well, I'm just going to just mute this and just keep it pushing yeah it's it's sort of like if somebody tells you a joke it's really funny and then in a few hours they tell you it again and it's like you chuckle and then they tell you it again and it's just like that ain't funny girl and then they tell you again you're like i'm not even listening to you right so like, you get so used to like the same um what's the word i'm looking for the same i'm i'm there's a word I want to use it. I can't think of it right now, but um, it's just like kind of like the sensory overload. Like you, you get that same ping to you over and over and over again. After a while, it's just like, okay, it fades into the background. Like you don't right. even pay attention to it anymore. Yes. Yeah. For real. Like one of my favorite things about you though, Tasha is I love how aware you are and I love how you really try to make sure you keep some positivity within your your fan base per se you know what i mean so the one of my favorite videos of yours is the tamar braxton video and how you were addressing homophobia and one of the things in the video that you said was like you noticed that there was some transphobic stuff going on in your comments and you're just like well this is not a reflection of me and you nip that shit right on the button i said this is what the fuck i'm talking about okay <laughs> like you you addressed it and you you told your fans like this is not what i'm about so if you're about this you could just go ahead and unfollow me so that takes a lot of like 
that's a lot of strength to be like, okay, I'm gonna address these people because this is not okay. You know, when we look at a lot of these celebrities, we look at other content creators, they would just let their fans say whatever. And then you're just like, are you gonna address them or not? Like, so Tasha, I love you for that. Like, that's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, um, so a lot of work needs to be done in yeah. our community and outside our community. So if I could just be just one piece, that's just like setting, setting it correct. So other people can be well, then I'll be that, I'll be that piece. Right. Yeah. And also just, like I said, the self-awareness of like, okay, so this is what my fan base is saying, or this is what the people that are watching my videos are saying. And just telling the world, like, this is not a reflection of me. This is not who I am. I wish a lot more people and a lot more people with platforms would do that and say that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if if a Cardi B would tell her fans, like, yo, y'all need to fucking chill and just, like, I don't, this is not what I'm about. Then I'd be like, yes, bitch, I live for it. But they just don't do it. And I'm just like, why not? Like, can you just say something? They might agree. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they, they might agree. <laughs> and then that's or the they, reality. That's the reality. Or... You know, the the adoration of all the attention that they get, whether it costs somebody else or not, they just want, you know, that that influx of praise. And right, right. It might be. I'm not saying that it is Cardi. I don't know that lovely lady. Um, but <laughs> so many reasons why they wouldn't why they wouldn't step on their fans toes. Mm, period. Yep. So let's talk about interactions. Yeah. I love it. I love your little videos where you're like doing a Moesha diary. Like I live for that. So what was the con what was the conception behind interactions? What made you want to start it? Just Latasha's interactions is a fictional and exponentially retelling of my actual interactions. So like <laughs> I'm using like my real life friends, like Mandy B, Dustin Ross, Jameer Pond, my boy Decent. Oh. Um, and I'm just like, what if we put our real selves in like these fictionalized scenarios <laughs> and it just stays true to my purpose in creating, which is protecting and, um, being an ally to marginalized groups and voices. And even though it's a sketch comedy series, I'm addressing sexual assault, yeah. addressing LGBTQ plus issues. Okay. Um, feminism um i'm still tackling heavy issues and that's kind of been my the point since i started since i picked up a camera you know like protecting black people and then i discovered intersectionality i'm like there's all these different groups of black people who are not being protected and just like diving further into that and um just having a a a purpose in being here and making sure my work resonates and has effect. And um, I, I just always want to be intentional with that. So it's five episodes. Each episode is one sketch. So it's like five minutes each. Um, and we got to film three out of five until COVID hit our crew and cast pretty hard. Um, a lot of people were starting to be affected by COVID and, and being one degree away from someone COVID positive. So it became right, right. safe. Um, so right now we're in the interim of kind of waiting possibly till 2021 when we can resume production. Um, but it's what we filmed so far is so strong. It's so funny. Um, we got to film with Dustin Ross our last shooting day and he is just a legend, a, Dustin a, legend Ross. A, a, a light. Um, he was so 
pleasant to have on set um, and came ready. And we all just took direction. Shout out to my girl, Alexa Layton as well, who's in the series. Um, Mila Jam, who's an incredible singer, dancer, trans activist, who's in the show. Um, just really powerful, creative, cool black collectives with something to say in a funny way. Yes, you always put so much of yourself into your work and you always put so much passion into your work. And I feel like that really reflects on to like the fan base and you know, people that really support you because that's one of the reasons why I've been sticking around for so long because it's so it's genuine work and we love genuine work and we love you know uh content that really has something to say rather than you just putting out any old thing and you know what I mean so I absolutely uh adore that you even started dissecting scripts mm -hmm. onto your YouTube channel like that's now that's some analyzation shit that I don't Girl, I don't know how you do it. I don't have the patience. I don't have the bandwidth, but you get, you go in. How, like, how do you do that? Like, how do you get into that space? Like, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, um, coming off of my YouTube vlogs where I was trying to merge my love for entertainment and comedy with my passion for black activism. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I can only say so much in this vlog. And so I made Sit Black and Relax. I produced and written two seasons of it um, on Amazon Prime. Go ahead and watch that. But season one, it was just me having something to say and not studying the craft. And looking back now as a screenwriter, producer, creator, I can see all the error. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I really took the time after season one of Still Black and Relax to study screenwriting, study filmmaking, listen to what the directors have to say. How do they view it? And when you put that study into a craft, um, you can't help but absorb it and, and become it, right? So watching movies and I, I watch movies with a with a regular ass eye the first time anyway because you just want to go for the entertainment and the you know just the storytelling of it all right right um but once I'm I'm backed and loaded with this film knowledge that I've put so much time into knowing I'm like so that's over there and this is over there and that's over there and I think it's really cool um all of the pieces a director would add to a script because the writer works so hard to make the story. And then the fact that a director would create all of these incredible visual layers to expand that story. I was like, I love it. So maybe other people will love it too. So my YouTube channel took uh, like a turn, like a yeah. shot left <laughs> from its original content. And I completely understand if people were just like, where's where we at? What are we doing? Like, I get it, I get it. But um, look, I'm gonna have me a good ass time. Either yeah. you want to be <laughs> and it, it's not you don't have to know film to understand you don't have to no. want to be a filmmaker to enjoy the content um we're all just watching black ass movies together and having a good old time and that's what makes movies so enjoyable when you could go back and start picking out certain things and mm -hmm. like you start seeing something new every single time so like when i was watching your blackest king review there were so many things in blackest king that i didn't even pick up on or you know, the, the double entendres and double meanings behind things. I just did not pick up on it. Yeah. And I was like, Latasha has an eye, girl. Like, she <laughs> is picking it up. Because I was just mainly watching it from the entertainment perspective. Don't get me wrong, girl. I took a film history class in college. I took two. I didn't really pay attention to shit. I was just there. <laughs> I didn't pay attention to shit. But that Black is King review opened my eyes. I was like, oh damn like there's really so much more to film and art and um and just pieces in general like 
and there's so many double meanings and it also made me realize damn beyonce really is that girl she's putting all this that girl <laughs> and then knows how to find people that not only understand her intention and her work and her storytelling but add their own brilliance to it to expand that like she knows how to find those people which, which is yeah, which is, is great. Each and every time, I'm just like, "My girl, how? <laughs> how?" Tyler Perry, take some notes, okay? No, I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> take I some damn I notes. Shan't. I shan't. I shan't. <laughs> Get. I know you know Beyonce. Get, ask her who do her team know so they could go into your films, child. Okay. <sighs> we even want the best for Mr. Perry, the billionaire, <clears throat> the billionaire screenwriter. You want the best. We do. For and from him is, is what we ask. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> so I think it really speaks on how hard Black people have to work that you have your hands in so many different uh, projects and stuff. So like you do everything, the dissection, you do the, the pop culture commentary, you do the interactions, the screenwriting. Like there's so many different hands that you play, like you have your hands in, in so many different projects how do you why do you feel like black people have to always work so damn hard and put, put ourselves into so many different projects just to get a scraping of of what everybody else is getting i um i mean i i feel like the obvious answer is that the doors are barely open for us so when they do we have to be exceptional right right but i also appreciate having like, like Barry Jenkins is going to give us a moonlight, but everybody, number one, don't have to. And number two, can't give us a moonlight. So there's space for a Barry Jenkins and a Tyler Perry. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and not, and I don't mean to say that with like negativity on Tyler Perry's name. I think he has built an empire. We're just, oh. asking, we're just asking for, for better. <laughs> That's it. That's it. We just... <laughs> your audience we love and support you we just want better wigs like we just we, know we just want black people on your team we just want some black women up on there like we know you got it just give it to us that's, that's literally our ashes give us quality um so <laughs> i mean you have to be that but with my particular journey mm -hmm. um I think me doing so many different things has actually been a been a hindrance to my um trajectory mm. um, because when you can focus on one thing you're putting majority of your mastery into that thing and then if you master that you can sort of branch out and so what i'm noticing a pattern of people that i um look up to i idealize they're masters at like their their one project right and me, I'm just kind of like, okay, I'm gonna do this over here. And then I'm gonna balance this thing over here. And then I'm gonna do this over here. So I feel like I am, I don't feel like I'm mediocre. I really do not feel like I'm mediocre, but I feel like it's a lot to try to uplift all those things at once rather than hyper-focusing on one project. And so I've actually been focusing this year on scaling back how to focus on one project without feeling like, I'm losing in productivity or, you know, I feel like yeah. the, the lie of capitalism is if you work hard, you get the American dream and it's just like, okay, well, I'm going to work really hard. And people, other people are kind of just like, 
I'm gonna work hard, but I'm gonna just do this thing. Right. So I'm I'm really trying to unlearn what I've been taught about capitalism. I'm trying to unlearn that um, hard work and productivity equals my personal human value. Am I allowed to exist? Because look look at all the things that I've done. It's just like you're allowed to exist. Period. You know what I mean? Right. Um. And so I've I've been kind of actually turning the wheels on making things more compact and um a. a a bigger bang in a smaller package. Yeah. Yeah. That's such an interesting take because like you, because a lot of people work so hard and do so many different things so they could prove like, look, I'm capable of doing all of this shit. But then I do look at people who are just good at doing one thing and they do it very well. And I'm just like, well, they only know how to do this, but I know how to do all of this shit. Like I know how to edit. I know how to Photoshop. I know how to do all that. But yeah. this, but the the mastery behind it and the and the intellect behind all that is like, I don't know how to do this one thing and I'm gonna do it the fuck well. Mm-hmm. And then that, that's something I'm unlearning too. I have to, I guess it's just the, the training in me, the Caribbean in me, child. <laughs> it makes me want to work multiple damn jobs all the damn time. That be y'all, y'all be having three jobs. <laughs> if it's one thing, we're gonna work, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, we're going to work and do a bunch of other things. But yeah, it's so true. Like, that's something I had to unlearn um, because I was doing like a little bit of YouTube stuff here, a little bit of podcasting stuff here and, you know, being doing a bunch of other things, uh, humanitarian work, activism. And so then I had to learn, damn, I really need to balance. And I think that's when time management and and just having those skills really come into play because you really need to learn, Okay, what can what do you have the bandwidth for? (laughs) Like, yeah. Like, what can you really do in this moment? How can you master this one thing? So I've been taking that, been learning that, and I've been just really focusing on this damn podcast, y'all. I said, if I'm going to do one thing, I'm going to fucking talk on the mic. So there you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> master the the comedic takes. Master the um, open-ended questions. Yes. Master getting your guest guard down. Master promoting your shit. Like, you know what I mean? It It really takes that train to, like, get going and then once it goes you can be like okay well now i'm gonna try this over here right I feel like as as a, as a as you know your fellow hive member we can look at our queen and do that she mastered her singing then she started mastering dancing and she started mastering um songwriting yeah. and now she's starting to master filmmaking like it was those steps like just going up 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 and like you can you can tackle more things like once you once you really know what you're doing in in your craft yeah that is so true but even like that one thing that you do is so many different aspects to it like like you said podcasting you have to learn how to market your shit you have to learn how to talk to guests you need to learn how to ask the right questions like there's so many things within that one thing yeah so it's like you still have to that's why i'm saying like focusing and taking it back like it really is important. So you could really know how to do this one thing really well. And so to everybody who's listening, cause there's a lot of people who uh, listen to this podcast, who I went to school with and you know, who are in college and stuff. Uh, learn like, this is some real heavy, listen to Tasha. She know what the fuck she talking about. Okay. <laughs> like this is like, this is some real tips. And this is something that could really benefit you and help you out when you are, uh, when you go into life after, after school. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, Cause I graduated during I graduated during this quarantine, and girl. So you didn't get to like walk and do the fun thing. What did they do for y'all in the quarantine graduation? 
So what my school was doing, what they were going to do is push it back into this next year, 2021. And I was like, you know what? That's perfectly fine with me because I really don't want to take any chances with 2020. Like you could push it back to 2021. I'll be fine. But what they ended up doing, they ended up having an outside graduation in July, I think. And I was just uncomfortable with that. And I was like, yeah, I don't really, I, I had to come to terms with the fact, like, I really don't need the validation of walking on stage. Like, it would have been nice, but the validation was getting my degree in the mail and seeing it and holding it. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, that's enough for me. All the other shit was me waking up early in the morning, going to Nork. And Not I was Nork. going to that damn. <laughs> Going to that damn Prudential Center, child. And I was like, you know what? I am comfortable <laughs> with this. So that's what they tried. That's what they were doing. But um, we had an online virtual graduation. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg showed up, which was nice. Mm-hmm. But uh, that, that was it. I was like, you know, I got my degree and I did what I needed to do. So, <laughs> You know, I've never actually seen my degree. Oh, what? Yeah, I graduated. See, I went to go walk and we celebrated and went to Red Lobster's after. But I've never, I've never been drawn to like go get it. And I was like, I have it. Some, it's in somebody's file cabinet somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> and nobody asked for it though. Like <laughs> nobody asked for it at I, all. I and I when I tell you, I never asked for it. I never followed up. I never requested it in the mail. I didn't care. And it for my life, it really didn't matter. Like having that degree didn't matter at all. Like I don't. The amount of time I said this to my friend, I said, to be honest, I could have lied on my resume and been like, I got my degree at this university (laughs) and nobody would have checked. Like, and nobody would have known. No one checks. (laughs) I said, damn, I got, I wasted all this government money as in I wasted all this financial aid money just for you, just for me not to use it. Every interview though, I'm whipping out that damn pocket degree that it gave me. I said, look what I got. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> whatever, whatever works because the way that thing do not matter in my life at all I ain't worried about it yeah it really it really does it like I could have just lied but like, yeah that's just for me y'all y'all go ahead and get your degrees though <laughs> that's just my personal take <laughs> right I'm gonna go I'm gonna go ahead and just start putting I graduated from Harvard University ask me you could go check with them if you want to <laughs> they're not gonna know <laughs> <laughs> Um, have you received, while we're talking about social media and stuff, have you received any like massive backlash from anything that you have said recently online? Recently? No. Ooh, you're doing good. (laughs) That's good. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm no longer really discussing like major topics in pop culture. So that could be a huge reason why, but the last Mm -hmm. time, um, I was like, publicly dragged or harassed was the Dave Chappelle video. And that was maybe last year. I don't even remember when I made the video last year. That's crazy. People are really still defending him like that for real. Yeah. I mean, they love who they love. Those are their idols. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. I always try to wrap my head around, like, especially when it comes to a Dave Chappelle, because he, what people are saying aren't wrong. Like, he made homophobic jokes. He made transphobic jokes. Like, that's not wrong. That's a fact. So, like, why are you mad at the fact that people are spilling facts? Like, it's not. Yeah. And big- I knew um, people, when, when it comes to people's um, idols and their favorite celebrities, it's not, their anger is not coming from, like, a real place or even an informed place, which makes me 
it makes it so much easier to toss out all the negativity. Like you're either reacting to a headline, you're reacting to the fact that I'm just anti your person. Right, right, um, right. And, or you just really want to hold on to the piece of work that you love or that you did the Bill Cosby thing where Dave Chappelle's like your daddy in your head. Like, I don't, I don't know where the attachment is, but like, if you have that much vigor to come after someone because they disagree with something that you like, something else, just something else that needs to be addressed. Like, right. Oh, like, there's, a, there's an internal, there's some internal shit going on over there. Yeah. Like I, I don't, it gets, it, it's getting weird. I don't it know. Is. It just gets a little weird for me. So. I just want people to live in a space. This is something I had to learn living in the space of two truths of like, yes, this man did this. Yes. He's very funny. We agree. Yes. Or he, he can be funny, but also he said this and he did this and this is wrong. Like just acknowledge that. Like there's multiple truths here. We could, we could be honest. We could be truthful about it. And I think my upset more so than him just attacking marginalized groups for the sake of comedy um, he's more brilliant than that. Yeah, he's so intelligent. So I'm not understanding why this master of Black culture, this master of storytelling, and this master of societal observation is leaning on... Low-hanging fruit. Yes! <laughs> You're motherfucking Dave Chappelle. We love you with reason. You're one of the most brilliant minds that's been in our lives for decades as a Black audience. You don't need this material. You don't. Like, you really don't. You're just choosing to do it at this point. At all. And so watching him lean into being the villain when you were our beacon. (laughs) Right, yeah. On the side. Like, why? You don't have to do this. And that's that's my frustration with him. Like, you you did this for no reason. (laughs) Exactly. I never really thought about that. But yeah, a lot of these people are just so intelligent. You're just like, you don't, that's where a lot of the anger does come from with a lot of these people. Like, you're so smart. Like, you don't have to do this, mm-hmm. but you're choosing to. So mm-hmm. now we're going to have to act accordingly and drag accordingly since you want to <laughs> do such things. <laughs> so as we're winding down, I want to know, like, what is the biggest misconception about just Latasha? Oh, I don't know. I don't Ooh. know what other people think of me. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. Mm, I love I that. Think, um, I don't think number one, I'm not big enough to be misunderstood. That's that's number one. That's it, really. Like people, niggas don't know me, but um, but the people who do <laughs> engage with my work, I think, are coming at it from similar to how you're coming at it. Like you've you've engaged with my work. I've, I've probably dragged myself first before like (laughs) like like, i I don't know i'm i feel like i'm I'm very transparent and very honest with my audience um whoever whoever may show up and find themselves in this in this um space but i don't i don't think there are misconceptions to be had at this point Mm -mm. Ooh, i love that i love that that's true like i'd be thinking like oh people really be thinking this about me but to be honest i'm just a real nigga from jersey city ain't nobody really thinking about me all right (laughs) scrolling past my tweets like oh here he goes again child we already know what he's about (laughs) i'm like oh when people are collectively like so just latasha is then i've reached an upper echelon of visibility she ain't there yet that's okay we're developing our work okay (laughs) over here (laughs) <laughs> I love that. Love that. Um, so what is the end goal for Tasha? Like, where do you see yourself in the next couple of years? 
the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, I want to be show running an original production and story of mine for TV. Um, and um, put in put in some cool black talent on and collaborating with some cool black talent and just um, creating an atmosphere of just like love and acceptance across the blackboard. That's, yes. that's it. That's, that's really it. Being seen, being understood, being loved on, being honored. That's what I want to be doing with my work. Oh, love that. Yes. And I see it for you. I see like a, like an Issa Rae track for you. You know what I mean? Like a, stand. a production, stand. original show. Yeah. Oh, every, if you're not standing Issa Rae, to be honest. <laughs> and people don't, people love her for the TV stuff, but people really do not speak about, again, this, she's, she's mastering the TV lane. And so she starts dipping her feet into other things. She has the Issa Rae radio or Issa, Issa radio or something like that is called. Yes. It's the production. She got into black tech because she was starting a a black social media platform. People almost missed that. People almost missed that. Yes. Um, she, I mean, the brilliance bounds. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. So, so amazing. Oh, yeah. I can't. And, and she's one of the few people where I will, will look at her show and I'll be like, damn, I see myself. Like, <laughs> like I see every single character on that show. I'm like, there's a little bit of like everybody in those characters, which is like the, the intelligence behind writing a nuanced character like that or characters multiple. It's like, uh. You know what's difficult? It's difficult giving good, plain black stories because yeah. some of the some of the highly visible storytellers are selling blackness. They're not being blackness. Girl is being blackness. She ain't battle it up and sell it back. It's authentic. It's good. Listen, there's a whole. I should do a whole episode on this commodification <laughs> of blackness. Okay, I, that needs to be a thing. Like. Yes. Yes. No, that's so true. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's natural, like just natural relationships mm-hmm. and just, it's not forced. Like, you know, a lot of the times, a lot of these shows are just very aware of itself. Like we're, we're a black show. So we're going to let you know that we're black. Like, but Issa Rae or her show is just like, this is a show about some regular shit. And these are black characters. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. That is it. I swear. And some people, some people miss the mark. They do. They do. <laughs> they really, really do, child. Ooh. That's that. Right. So is there any upcoming projects coming up soon? Um, we are focusing on just Natasha's interactions. You guys okay. can follow the show page on Instagram and Twitter at interactions I N N R Actions. Um, we want to get a trailer out to you guys soon. We want to wrap up production. So stay tuned. And of course, I'll be breaking down your favorite. Black TV and films on YouTube on the Just Latasha channel, live every Monday. Little bite-sized eatable product on Thursday. Shout out to my <laughs> script series. Um, and we just staying out here loving on Black folk. There you go. Them's the projects. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Tasha, thank you so much for coming on to the Devon Hour podcast. Thank you to everyone for listening to this episode. I'm having such a good time interviewing the people that really inspire me. Check out last week's episode where I did with uh, Justin J, which was amazing. And some tea was spilled, honey. So you're going to get your nice uh, 
cup full. <laughs> enjoy it. And I hope you enjoy all the other episodes that I've done as well. So check it out. Check it out. Thank you, Latasha, for coming on. And everybody, stay woke. And thank you for taking an hour out of your day to listen to my fat ass mouth. Period. <laughs>